This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, real estate had a surprisingly stellar year in the Lower Mainland, despite all the craziness of 2020. And coming up on Vancouver Consumer, we'll talk real estate with the experts. Campbell and Pound, they have been appraising real estate since way back in 1939 in Vancouver. I'm Martin Strong. That's coming up. But first, here are some of the headlines from the past week, the last week of 2020. That feels good to say. (laughs) as we look out at the very beginning of 2021. Uh, 2020 was obviously tough for many, but because there were less of us on the road crashing into each other, ICBC had a pretty good year. Uh, Because of the pandemic, the insurance corporation saved more than 900 million bucks in payouts in 2020. And now the BC Liberals are pressuring the government to pass some of those savings onto us. BC Liberal MLA for Prince George Mackenzie says ICBC has done a lot of talking about it, but so far done nothing, adding that the next few months are going to be a tough time for a lot of people as we wait for the vaccine to roll out. And this is the time, he says, drivers could use a break. And one consumer sector that finished very strong in 2020, music on vinyl. Vinyl records are here to stay. In fact, they had their biggest week ever since the days before CDs. According to Billboard, 1.8 million albums were bought in the U.S. alone the week leading up to Christmas 2020. The previous record was 1.4 million at the same time of the year in 2017. Records were also set in the U.K. for vinyl sales. Uh, Don't have the figures for Canada, but uh, the record stores on Main Street are jumping, Red Cat, Neptune, lots of lineups. Here's an amazing Christmas story. I love this. In Richmond, a mystery elf has reunited a nine-year-old boy with the guitar that his father bought him when he was two. It was kind of a sad story back in 2013. Paul Macklin bought his little boy, Charlie, a small blue guitar. He was looking forward to teaching him how to play it. But sadly, Paul passed away in a workplace accident a month before Christmas in 2013. Dealing with the guitar was just too painful for his widow, Erica, so she ended up putting it away and finally selling it, which she regretted, but understandably, it was just too painful to deal with the guitar. Little Charlie was only two at the time, so he didn't remember anything about it, but this year, a couple of days before Christmas in Richmond, a package mysteriously arrived at their home addressed to Charlie from your Steveston Elf. It was the little blue guitar that his late father had given him when he was two years old. Erica, his mom, was floored, couldn't believe that someone had bought that guitar back then with the intention of one day reuniting it with little Charlie. She still doesn't know who the elf is, but she says she's in awe. That's a nice story. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And what's your real estate worth? We'll find out when we continue right after this. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and real estate has had a surprisingly uh, strong year, kind of a strange year in the Lower Mainland in 2020, despite all the craziness 
of the past year. But what's the picture for 2021 as we start with this blank slate? That's why we want to talk to an expert. And that's why we have Dan Jones. He's the president and CEO of Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. And Dan is with us now. Hi, Dan. Hi, how are you, Martin? I'm very, very well. Uh, just looking at this horizon of 2021. Um, and I, I was doing a little research on Campbell and Pound at your website, campbell-pound.com. Uh, your company uh, has been in this game, real estate appraisal, since 1939. That goes back a ways. It does go back a long ways. It's, um, it's about as old as the Appraisal Institute of Canada, which I, I think was... Uh, incorporated around that same year, um, 1938 or 1939. It was a time when um, realtors didn't have uh, uh, MLS at their disposal back in those days. Right. So they they depended on a tool called the telephone, and uh, and and meeting people you know face to face to talk to other realtors and, uh, and and appraisers did the same thing to phone the realtors and talk to them and get to know them and find out. You know what have you sold in this neighborhood in the last while? So you had you had a lot of um, what they call farming. You know where where realtors uh, stick to an area they know and they they work a neighborhood. And uh, appraisers were the same way. They were they were very cognizant of the fact that they could get strong information if they stuck to a smaller geographical area and that's what happened in those days wow in 1939 i picture a really old-fashioned telephone like that you hold with both hands like what do you got for me charlie yeah that's about it true very true interesting dan jones is with us from uh campbell and pound real estate appraisers uh it's been a, a tough year uh how has covid uh affected uh we'll talk about how it's affected real estate valuations but how has it affected your business as a real estate appraiser well, it's it's actually uh, shockingly not as bad as we thought it was going to. I think everybody was in the same boat. If we go retrospectively back to the middle of March, um, everybody used the term "What's happening here?" <laughs> you know, nobody knew how. Everybody felt a little unsafe, and the word "fear" was big in our minds. And uh, you know, we were learning uh, something every day from uh, from the people that are dealing with this. And uh, the first thing we did is we got together with our appraisal institutes, and uh, we have a, a group of uh, business appraisers called the Business Association of Real Estate Appraisers in, in Canada as well. And we wanted to, to talk to um, our clients and our stakeholders, and that, that was mostly the financial institutions, uh, the brokers, credit unions, banks, etc. And we wanted to find out what we could do to, to keep not only the public safe, but we wanted to keep our, our people safe, our appraisers. And uh, they came up with what's called a hybrid um, inspection of, of the property. And it's a situation where the appraiser would come to the property, uh, physically take photographs and walk around the outside of the property, of the street, uh, the street scene, the front, the rear, um, take all the inventory they could and photographs as well. And then they would contact the, the homeowner by, uh, you know, WhatsApp or FaceTime and sometimes Zoom. And uh, the homeowner at that point would, would be able to walk through the property from the top to the bottom with the appraiser to get a feel of what kind of a floor plan layout um, they were faced with 
and then ask the homeowner to send 10 photographs or so of the interior of the property so the the uh, uh, we could geotag them as being taken on that day at that property and that seemed to satisfy most and in fact all of the uh, major financial institutions in Canada, um, uh, the big five banks, uh, the credit unions, and the other 19 monolines that are out there. Yeah. Wow, interesting. So, so Dan, as an appraiser of real estate, uh, for example, a uh, residential house, uh, what's the first thing you look at? And are there things you're looking at that, that people who don't really understand this uh, might not know you're looking at? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, probably that uh, the question about the floor plan that I mentioned to you. So you know when it, when somebody um, does a do-it-yourself renovation or something like that, and the appraiser arrives at the property and realizes they might have to walk through the garage to get to the new bedroom that was added onto the rear of the house, um, just as a purchaser would look at that as being an odd odd uh, way to get to that bedroom. Um, they will probably discount what they pay for the property. And I think what appraisers do is they do exactly what a, a purchaser does. They they look at it as being uh, unusual, non-standard. And uh, what what kind of a discount would that purchaser put on the property if they were going to make an offer? And um, appraisers use something called paired sales analysis, whether it's looking at a, a, a functionally poor floor plan which is what we're talking about in this situation. Or maybe we're talking about what kind of a time adjustment um, is happening in a rising market or even a declining market. To find out the answer to that, we have to analyze the reactions of the marketplace, and and we we do that by analyzing paired sales, sales of similar properties that have uh, transacted, you know, in in a recent period of time that have similar features. Right. So if you have a bowling alley in the basement and houses with bowling alleys in the basement are going like gangbusters, then that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, well, like swimming pools is, a, is, a, is an easy one to throw out there because everybody knows about houses that have swimming pools. And uh, in California, they, they recoup a lot more of the value because of the weather than they do in Vancouver. Um, in Vancouver, you know, a swimming pool, I've seen hundred thousand, hundreds of thousands of dollars spent on swimming pools and the patios and the and the and the, the sand filters and and the heating systems and the cabanas put it all together and maybe it's a hundred thousand dollars spend and the return might only be twenty five to forty five fifty thousand something like that yeah it's, it, you know it's not a great return interesting and and, and we would determine that by just looking we were just looking at sales of similar quality um, aged homes that had pools and ones that didn't in a particular neighborhood, and we can come up with that discount that I speak of. So I don't know if you can answer this question, uh, Dan Jones from uh, Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Uh, is there one thing that you would say to people if they were going to do something to their home to make their home more valuable? What would you recommend? Yeah, well, there's a whole there's a whole myriad of things that people can do to their homes and, and that they do do to their homes. And I'm going to throw the, the, the simplest one that people forget about the most, and that's just a simple paint job. Uh, painting the exterior and the interior of the house and keeping keeping that up to date every probably four or five years um, will keep your property in, in, in very good showing condition when it comes time to sell. 
whether that's 10 years, 5 years, or 20 years down the road. Mm-hmm. It uh, keeps things looking fresh and what the market wants to see. Well, we're talking to Dan Jones. Uh, he is the president and CEO of Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. You can uh, visit their website, campbell-pound.com. They've been in business, as we were saying, since 1939. So you're... you're company deals with all sorts of appraisals, industrial property, commercial property, investment yep. property. Um, so who is typically needs a real estate appraiser? Who are the people who are calling you? Well, there's so many reasons and purposes, and usually the purpose ties into the stakeholder, the person or the entity that needs it. Um, there's a simple the simple buy and sell that takes place in a residential property or a commercial industrial property, uh, development, disposals, mergers, corporately or even personally, quite often appraisals are, are uh, requested because they're looking for an independence, they're looking for unbiased, and they're looking for uh, expertise you know, in, in, in the marketplace. And that's what we provide. The, the most common knowledge of, of an appraiser, like in the, with the general public, is probably for mortgage appraisal, for financial institutions, brokers, credit unions, the big five banks, monoline lending institutions, trust companies, and um, those are those are are completed on what's called a form report. So the form report is a it's a function of uh, the banks wanting something that's summarized and simple. It usually runs between 10 and 15 pages long. And the appraisers charge on a standard benchmark property anywhere from 350 to $450. Um, when, when, when an appraiser is faced with doing an industrial or commercial property, say retail commercial on Fraser Street or in, uh, Victoria Drive or something like that, Broadway, the appraiser is looking at different approaches to value. They're now looking at not just um, maybe what the cost of the land and cost of the building was, but they'll be looking at the market. What uh, what's the gross leasable area? What kind of lenders, or sorry, uh, what kind of tenants are going to go into the property, and um, what type of leases will be put in place? Will it be a percentage lease? Will it be uh, triple net lease? Will it be a gross lease? So there's all these different uh, rental analyses that the appraiser has to carry out. And then they look at um, what we could call a rate of return or an overall capitalization rate. And not to get too technical, but in, in short, these properties don't sell emotionally. A single family will sell on an emotional basis, where a commercial industrial property will usually sell based on the income that it can produce that the building produces. And I'm not talking about the business, like the number of hamburgers that McDonald's would sell, for example. I'm looking at the income that's produced for how much would it cost for a restaurant to go into that space and um, put tenant improvements in and get up and operating. That would be the rental uh, potential that the appraiser or the commercial realtor would be looking at. Yeah, you're just looking at the numbers and the the, the amount of rent that people are going to pay. But I guess unbiased is a, an important uh, aspect of what you do, an unbiased opinion. Do you find that it, it can really vary when someone appraises a piece of real estate, like one, like the real estate agent says it's worth this much, the tax person says it's worth this much? Does that happen well, a lot? Yeah, well, it, it, you know, we have no commission, for example, tied to 
tied to the value of the property. So um, uh, the, the same thing with the fees. That, that when Some people think that when the fees get higher, or the property value gets higher, then the fees get higher. But the reason the fees will get higher as the property increases is because of the complexity of the appraisal assignment. So as the, as the assignment becomes more and more difficult, there's more and more time spent. And it always comes down to that, um, that word time, T-I-M-E, because the longer that takes, um, the higher the fees will be. Right. And that's really the only basis that uh, an appraiser is charging his fees based on is the amount of time that he or she will take to, to do the analyses and do the due diligence that's required to well, come up with a good appraisal. If you need that unbiased appraisal, it's campbell-pound.com. It's Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers, and we're, we're talking to the president and CEO, Dan Jones. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, uh, it's uh, assessment season. You get that thing in the mail. and. And we're going to talk about what it means because I, I don't really, to be honest, that you know, I have a house and I get the assessment. I look at the number. I put it in the little file folder and I don't think about it again. Uh, but we're going to find out what you can do with your assessment, why it's important. Uh, and we'll talk about, uh, you know, generally real estate in the lower mainland. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW right after this. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer 2021. It's our first show of 2021. I'm Martin Strong, and with me now is Dan Jones. He's the president and CEO of Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Campbell-Pound.com is the place to go, and uh, it's the brand new year, Dan, and uh, this is the time of year when we get in the mail our notice of assessment for the piece of property that we own. Um and uh, I've been getting them for years. I look at them and I go, oh, wow, it's worth this much now. But I'm not really aware. I, I guess it has to do with the tax I pay. But how important is the assessment? And what do people need to know about the assessment they're going to get in the mail in the next few days? Well, the assessment's going to be the basis for the property tax bill that they receive in 2021. So when the 2021 assessment arrives, and it should be... You know, any time between the 30th of December and the 6th of January, somewhere in there, you should be, and if you haven't received your, your assessment notice by that point in time, you should contact your local BC assessment office, whether you're in Vancouver, Burnaby, Coquitlam, or anywhere in the greater Vancouver area or Fraser Valley. The, um, uh, the assessment that you get is not reflective. A lot of people think it's reflective of today's value, like what they could sell their house for today. But it, it in fact, the legislation is clear that it is July 1st. So it's retrospective back six months to July 1st of 2020. That would be the date of appraisal. So if I was defending uh, or, or opposing an assessment uh, at the PARP, which is the Property Assessment Review Panel, that you would go before, that would be uh, my date of appraisal, July 1st, 2020. There's some other um, dates that are, that are very important. One of them is the, um, the date of appeal. So in order to go before the port, you, you need to file an appeal before the property assessment review panel, and you need to do that in writing by email uh, before the 31st of January, which is coming right up this next month. 
So right. you you have approximately 30 days, um, and you know depending on when you get your assessment notice, it should be between 25 and 30 days to to get uh, to get that appeal launched. Right. And in the appeal, they're going to ask you to give the reasoning for your appeal, why you think it's too high. It may be a valuation question, or it may in commercial. Um, situations. Many times it can be a classification issue, it can be a pollution control abatement issue, um, an exemption issue if you're a religious organization. I mean, there's lots of lots of other items that um, professionals will look at other than just strictly a value. The other thing, uh, date to be, be aware of is the date of physical condition, and the physical condition is, is October 31st. So I would give you an example that if your house burnt down on the 31st of October of 2020, you would still have to pay taxes on that building that's not there today, but was there on October 31st. Wow. If, uh, <laughs> that's right. So uh, on, the other, on, on the other hand, if it burnt down on November 1st, you would pay uh, on only the vacant lot. Wow. So arsonists should look at their calendar, basically. Well, you can twist it around. Uh, the uh, homeowner grants that are payable for the various cities and municipalities are based on uh, are based on the, the improved value being on the roll. So if it's just a vacant lot, there's no homeowner grant uh, paid. So if one was to build a new house, for example, and put just the foundations in as of the 31st of October, they would get a very reasonable tax bill the following year and be able to benefit off it. So it can go both ways. Interesting. Interesting. I'm guessing a lot of people appeal because the assessment is too high, because that means their taxes are going to be... Do people ever uh, appeal the assessment saying it's too low? They do. They do. There are there are folks out there that believe that the market is, uh, is, is set by the assessor. Um, um, that's not something that um, most professionals believe, but you know there are there are folks that want it want it to be higher. If they've got the property up for sale, they feel that if they've got a lower assessment, that uh, what, what people have to understand is that the assessor, uh, the information is only as good as what what is taken in at the time a physical human was out there. So, for example. Uh, I could have my basement entirely finished, and the last time the assessor was out, it may have been just concrete walls, concrete ceiling, and concrete floor, and you know, no finishing in it. Since that time, there could have been a permit taken out, uh, or it could have been done without a permit, too. That happens a lot in Vancouver. And um, so the, the inventory that the assessor has on file has to be accurate with what you actually are living within in today. And you do want to be careful that if you have more more uh, inventory that, you know, putting an appeal in is going to bring all that to light and the assessor is going to be aware of it. So, Right. They're going important. to be important. Root, important. Yeah. Rooting important. around your home. Yeah. That, there you go. Well, Dan Jones is the president and CEO of Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Campbell-Pound.com is the place to go if, uh, if you need to get your real estate appraised, whether it's industrial, commercial, investment, uh, you know, residential. Um uh, how has COVID affected property value? I mean, you must be just so on the pulse of, of what things are worth in the Lower Mainland. How has COVID affected property valuations? Well, again, I, if, I can, if I can take you back in time to the middle of March and that fearful time when people didn't know what we were going to be faced with, 
Um, that was just in terms of uh, the shutdowns and the lockdowns. Um, that created a big hole, as you know, in our employment base. And I think most most professionals in real estate, including appraisers, missed the mark when they when they were asked this question back in March. Um, I think a lot of people thought the recession was on its way and we were going to be in a pretty big hole. I think residentially what's happened is there was a revival. So we had, if if you looked at a graph, you saw a big dip in March and April and then uh, <laughs> sort of climbing out of the hole by the time we got into May. And from May right through until this moment in time, uh, the Vancouver market has been extremely strong, um, and it's been pulsating uh, and working at both levels. Um, part of the problem, I think, is there's a lack of good available numbers out there in terms of product. In other words, a shortage of properties for sale and a higher demand on terms of the buyers. Uh, most of the buyers out there are... Uh, baby boomers, children that are trying to get into the market or or they're already in the market and they're looking to move up in the market. And then we've got um, other folks that are um, coming from another city and they, they've migrated to British Columbia and they, they're, they're wanting to get their roots started here. So how long is it going to last in 221? I don't know if I'd be in this business if I had a crystal ball and I could tell give you the answer to that um, because I will tell you that I was uh, I was off the mark when people asked me this question on March 15th so really so your your guess is as good as mine how long <laughs> it lasts is it sustainable I don't think it would be um, I think we have to see what happens with the vaccine and people getting back to work and and you know how that, that, that that's all going to play into it and the affordability uh, of housing I think we live in a city where affordability has been a problem, and uh, you know, being having a shortage of product out there with high buyer demand doesn't help help affordability. That's for sure. Right, and I guess it all depends on the the type of property too, because with COVID, a lot of people are working from home. They don't necessarily have to live close to downtown anymore. True. Uh, that could that could happen. True. Um, you know, my my um, the, the words I'm getting from places like the Sunshine Coast and, and Whistler is that the market is um, just crazy up there. It's it's a lot of people that are realizing that they can now work from home remotely and uh, they're looking at the uh, the advantages in terms of price points to, to move out to those areas. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Dan Jones. He's the president of Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers, campbell-pound.com. And uh, we've been talking about some of the people who, who need your services. And I guess uh, with capital gains tax being uh, such an important thing with people who have owned property or they're, they're selling property and some, sometimes they're stuck with a big tax bill, sometimes they get a break. I guess capital gains is a big part of your business. That's correct. Yeah, the um, uh, we have something called that that um, not our current prime minister, but uh, one from many years ago started. Um, Justin Trudeau's father, Pierre, started something called capital gains and B day valuation. And B day valuation was the date of December thirty first, nineteen seventy one. So before 1971, December 31st in Canada, nobody paid capital gains. 
And then when they came in with that law, you saw that appraisers were always asked to value the property as if it as if it was December 31st, 1971. So uh, our firm's been asked to value all kinds of commercial, industrial, and residential properties as of the da- as of that date. We're at a point now where many of the residents and the, the title holders have moved on because we're so far removed from, from that date. And normally what you have is a purchase price in its place. So if somebody bought a property in 1980 and then sold it now, the date for benchmark would be 1980 when they acquired the property. That would be the bottom, and then the top would be when, when they sold, and they would figure out the capital gains. So quite often we're asked to value property retrospectively, and the first thing we have to find out is when did you acquire the property? When did you move into the property? What was that date? And uh, that'll be um, always a challenge for us because we've been asked to do properties on the west side of Vancouver give us uh, the date of 1977 or it could be <laughs> a long time ago and uh, believe me the prices were a lot lower than they are now <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a uh, it was in a bubble and it was uh, two thousand yeah. dollars overvalued or something yeah yeah are people sure. still getting rid of properties that they've had since 1971 well quite often they, they transfer to a family trust or or to some type of a corporate entity, or they've uh, moved it um, into the children's name at some point, like a living will, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's many sales out there where there's capital gains due and payable, and they have to pay it, and they want to pay it. So um, we're asked to go into the property and um, you know do a hypothetical as if it were you know 1977 or whatever date they're looking for. Wow. So we do do that. We're, we're talking to Dan Jones, uh, president of Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Uh, he's the president and CEO. Go to campbell-pound.com. And, uh, I mean, are you, are you looking forward to a, a boring 2021 <laughs> compared, to, compared to this past year? Well, we, we don't get bored here. I mean, we've got a lot of things that we do for, for customers and for stakeholders out there. We do portfolio valuations for for folks, we spend a lot of time on litigation uh, for the, the legal community, for uh, the BC Family Law Act, with uh, settlement of assets for divorce, those types of things. Uh, wills, probates, living wills, uh, employee relocations. You know, corporately, they they will get appraisals. Um, somebody in the military, or might even be the RCMPs, move from another city to here. Uh, or they're leaving, and they need they need appraisals for that. We have got expropriations, a right-of-way valuation that we're asked constantly to do on statutory right-of-ways with various cities and municipalities, and uh, could be a utility like Telus or somebody like Forest BC, pipelines, those types of things. Uh, highest and best use studies, we do rental surveys, we do property tax appeal. Um, I spent 13 years at BC Assessment before I became a fee appraiser back in the mid-80s. So I've actually been at it myself for 44 years, and I've got my, uh, my, my son and my daughter work at the firm here too now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. So who knows? Uh, maybe years from now, they'll, <laughs> they'll look back. <laughs> 1939 is when they started. Well, thank you for talking to us, Dan. 
Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity, Martin. Dan Jones. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, Happy New Year to you too. Dan Jones, President and CEO of Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers, Campbell-Pound.com. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and when we come back, we're going to ask Andrew. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and with me now is Andrew Ferreira, the executive producer of Vancouver Consumer for our segment, Ask Andrew. This is our first Ask Andrew for, uh, actually our second, uh, for 2021. As we look at this brand new, brand new year spread out ahead of us with so much promise and hopefully it'll be just kind of boring. That's, that's my hope. But uh, looking back at 2020, uh, as Andrew always likes to do, there were, there were some, uh, a lot to choose from when you look at just the weirdest parts of 2020. Yeah. And I, for one, also hope that this year is boring. <laughs> is just that bad? Please, just please. I, I don't want anything extra to happen. Let's just have a non-eventful year. No. Uh, but one of my favorite year-end lists, and I know that everyone must be a little bit tired of seeing the year-end lists, uh, but some of them are great. And my, one of my favorite ones every single year is Ecom 911's uh, list of top 10 reasons not to call 911. Um <laughs> This is my reminder. Please do not call 911 unless it is an emergency. Uh, starting at number 10, uh, someone called 911 asking for help because they were locked out of their car. <laughs> Don't call 911. That's just dumb. Don't call 911. Uh, number nine, someone called 911 to confirm the time. <laughs> do not call 911 for that, please. Do not call 911. Uh, number eight, inquiring about how to enter a career in law enforcement. <laughs> Ironic and funny, but please do not call 911 for that. I guess they thought they, you know, the people hey, on 911, yeah. they know what's going on. <laughs> I suppose. Just don't do that, though. Number seven, reporting their neighbor for smoking in a non-smoking building. Wow. Don't do that. <laughs> I mean, just don't do that anyway. Don't smoke in a non-smoking building, but, you know, don't call 911 to report that either. To think on your neighbor. Yeah. Number six, reporting that their bank card was stuck in the ATM. <laughs> I get that that is stressful. Yeah. Don't call 911. Mm-hmm. Don't. Uh, number five was complaining that the mattress that they had purchased secondhand was more soiled than advertised. <laughs> oh, come on now, guy. No. What are you expecting? Oh, exactly. <laughs> Don't call 911 for that. Number four, uh, asking for assistance to apply for CERB. Ah, yeah. No. Don't. No. Uh, number three. Wondering if having a trampoline is illegal during COVID-19. Wow, that's just, that's just weird. oddly specific. <laughs> yeah, oddly specific. Uh, number two, inquiring if there was a full lockdown for COVID-19. At least that one, you know, is information. But don't yeah. call 911 for that, please. No. Uh, and if I had a drum kit, I would do a drum roll. But no, let's do that. Um, number one. And this one, I, I'm not surprised to see that this is the number one reason to not call 911 in 2020 uh complaining that their food delivery driver didn't deliver their meal <laughs> like of all the 2020 things that it could have been i feel like that obvious obviously was number one on the list we yeah. all relied so heavily on food delivery driver over 20 uh food delivery drivers and uh delivery apps and services in 2020 i'm not surprised to hear that and i'm guessing more than one person may have done this uh, I'm not surprised here that people had called 911 to complain about their food not being delivered. Yeah. Um, there are, you know, if you, all the major companies have, you know, complaint systems built into their apps yeah. and websites, they're there for a reason. 
please use them. At least they didn't call to actually order the food. Yeah, exactly. Or to get a recommendation or something. Exactly. Uh, Ecom 91 is asking the public to please not call 911 to report public health violations. Don't do that. Uh, if you'd like to do those, please call your local bylaw office or call the local police non-emergency line. Uh, if you feel that somebody might have COVID-19 because they probably got a lot of phone calls about that, go ahead and call the primary care provider. 811 is another great resource that we have here in BC that'll hook you up to a nurse and they'll be able to screen you by phone and give tell you the direction of where to go. Um, so there's lots of places to go if, you're question, if you have questions about any of this. 911 is not the place, though. Yes, not 911. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Well, thank you, Andrew. That's Andrew Ferreira. Uh, I'm Martin Strong. This has uh, been Vancouver Consumer, our first of 2021. Happy New Year to you, Andrew. Happy New Year to everybody. And we will uh, see you uh, Saturday at 2, next Saturday at 2, for Vancouver Consumer. We'll see you then. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.